Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Look at you. You're grown Lift Church. And it's so wonderful to be here. I'm Yep Joel, and this is my beautiful wife, Sharon. And she's a little bit taller than me in these chairs, which is quite... Uh, uh, <laughs> bringing out all my insecurity. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and it, it really is a wonderful, <laughs> a wonderful privilege to be here and a real honour to be um, able to serve your senior pastors, the best guys around, Pastor Nate and Rebecca. Would you give them a big clap of honour and pray? welcome? Uh, and it's really good to see his family here as well. So I just want to welcome you. Um, and uh, I'll just introduce my wife and she can tell you a little bit about us and then we'll get straight into it, our boys and our marriage and all that. Okay, so yes, my name is Sharon. Um, we have been married, I was trying to count, I think it's coming on 15 years this September. We have three gorgeous boys. Um, I've got to remember their um, ages. That's what. I, so Levi will be 12 this next month, and then we've got Noah, who's 10, and Micah, who is 8. So lots of fun. I, I have a boy world. Lots of men in my world. I have three brothers, three sons. My husband is one of three boys. So yeah, surrounded by boys. Thankfully, I have my mother, my mum, and my dad, and they live with us. So at least we've got two girls in the house. But lots of fun. So. Um, but a real privilege to be here, um, be with you this morning, and we hope we can just share a little bit of, of what we're learning on the journey, because we're still learning, and we're never going to stop learning. Um, but, but, you know, God is a wealth of resource. God is so for us, and um, God has great things in store for all of us, and we can continually be gleaning from his resource, from his word. Um, and I believe God's heart for each one of us is to have healthy, wonderful, fulfilling marriages, and so hopefully we can share a little bit with you this morning, Pastor Joe. All right. So, um, yeah, just so you know, we are far from marriage experts. I was telling Nate um, when he asked us if he was to have asked us in January, uh, we probably would have said no. Um, because in October last year, I had a, a major surgery. And and uh, recovering from that, I think, was the hardest stress on our marriage. And so we weren't in a place to even share uh, as for us, it was it's a real time of struggle. And so I just want you to know that every marriage has highs and lows, and there are no marriage experts. And by the grace of God and by the commitment of the couples involved, um, you can actually develop something beautiful out of the ashes. And so today it's more about, hey, let's share uh, some stuff that we have learnt rather than we're the gurus and, and, and we know everything because we're so not. And I am so blessed because I have a good wife who was willing to stick with me through uh, my great depression after my operation and uh, through all the struggles of, of being able to rehabilitate and, and uh, feel like a man again. And, uh, and, and she stuck through it all and loved me through it all. And, you know, there's just, I, I believe if you're committed to making your marriage work, marriage is not a chore. It can actually become better and better over time. In fact, recently we were at a wedding um, and 
and the Swan Valley. And just before the, the, the bride and the groom made their vows to each other, this boat went across full of drunken young men. And, uh, and they're like, don't do it. Get out while you've got the chance. And, uh, and it was, it, it, that was the response because it was such a beautiful wedding and beautiful music and beautiful flowers. And don't, you idiot, you know. Jump in the water, we'll take you, you know, that sort of stuff. And, um, and the world actually sees marriage like that. They actually see marriage as a, a prison sentence, as a, a chore and a freedom being cut off, and, and it's, it's horrible. But, you know, God says that marriage was ordained in his heart to bring us great pleasure, to actually bring fulfillment and satisfaction. So if your marriage isn't thriving right now, don't, don't beat yourself up. Let there be no condemnation, but understand that God's future for you yeah. is better than its past. Yeah, right. And He is able to do something uh, uh, beautiful and make something beautiful out of where you're at. And so today we just want to share uh, four quick principles. And uh, the first one is found in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 and it's really one of the first marriage principles that God speaks and uh, I know you know the word here in this church uh, and you have your Bibles with you so you can just write this down Genesis 2:24. this is God speaking he says that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh now I'm not a handyman at all and uh, but I do know one thing when you're painting an old wall like this picture that I have here on this slide you can't paint over the old paint you've got to scrape it off and actually prepare the surface before you can add the new paint why because the new paint will not cling or adhere to or stick to the wall if there are some fragments of the old left behind and in this particular scripture God says hey listen in order to make your marriages thrive and work here's one principle um, before you can cling before you can cleave you've got to leave uh, there requires a leaving or forsaking or a turning away or a cutting loose of the previous season in order to walk into the fullness of the next season. And I really found that this is a, 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 a secret uh, in God's word that many married couples haven't fully grasped yet and so they're wondering why there's always something in the middle in their in their relationship but it's because they haven't taken the scraper to the past I know that before I got married to Sharon I had to decide to leave my bachelor life some uh, married couples don't. They bring their bachelor life into their marriage and they wonder uh, why she gets upset uh, that you're not you know, calling her up and telling her where you are and, and, and you're out every night of the week. And, and we've had some counseling sessions with people where we sit down and we go, hold on, I don't think you've realized that this is a whole new season. And in order to enter this new season, you've got to kill the old season. In Genesis 2, it's talking about especially in the context of um, your parents. Um, now, we, we believe in family. We believe in, in um, honoring our parents. But, you know, Sharon and I, we decided a 
long time ago that even though our family is very important, even though our parents should be honoured, um, my first priority in this world is to steward our relationship. And so my parents and her parents and even our children, they're important to us, but they will never come in the midst of our relationship. We have to leave that. I had to leave a couple of other things. I had to leave um, the way mama used to do everything compared to the way my wife does stuff. You know, I remember when we, we first moved into our house. I'm turning and I can't turn back. <laughs> turn. So this is teamwork together. Sorry. Um, I've turned too far and I can't turn back. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember when we first moved into our house and Sharon put the tea towels in the wrong drawer. And now, of course, it wasn't the wrong drawer. It was not the way mum used to do it. It wasn't the drawer that mum used to do it. And so, you know, there's so many people that fight over silly things instead of realising that was the old season, that was good then, but this is a new day today. And we're going to start something new. So it's an adventure. It's a new adventure. We're going to leave the past and we're going to cleave to this new future. There are a few things, uh, practical things, that you might need to leave in order to get into this next season that God has for you. And maybe you may have been married for decades and you haven't left some of this stuff, but today I sense the Spirit of God wants to actually highlight in order to grow in your unity of your marriage, there might need to be some leaving. So five, or oh, I don't know, ten things here, quickly. Number one, old memorabilia of past relationships. Leave it. Leave it. Um, close friendships with past partners. Leave it. Leave it. Oh, but they're such good friends. No, leave it. It's time to cleave to the new season. Uh, prioritizing other relationships and activities above your partner. Leave it. It's a new season. Uh, the single bachelor life. Leave it. Leave it. Um, parents and family members who constantly intrude in your marriage. Leave it. Leave it in order to cleave. The way mum or dad used to do stuff. Leave it. Definitely leave it. How about unforgiveness for the past things your partner has done? Leave that. And finally, addiction to drugs, pornography. You're going to have to leave that. And, you know, it's easy to say leave it and, and we go, yep, I need to. But, you know, God also has graced us with people with his word and with his Holy Spirit to actually help us leave these things in order to cleave. And so if you need help in any of those areas, then the pastoral team here are available for you. Bring it forward. Ask somebody for help and get the wisdom and advice because God has a beautiful marriage ahead of this. Leave in order to cleave. Amen? Over to you. Okay, so I'm point number two, and point number two is fighting fair. Fighting fair. And for me, the key words that come to mind is kindness and grace. Kindness and grace, and I'm learning this more and more. Um, just as a spouse, learning to give kindness, to be kind, to give grace, extend grace to your spouse, but it also includes doing the same for yourself. So it's a reciprocal thing. Um, and I, if I was to look at a key scripture that really has oriented me in the way that I deal with conflict, and I'm turning to now, <laughs> this is like bumper cars. <laughs> 
Um, this is found in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, and this is what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And this scripture has been really key for me when it comes to dealing with having to raise an issue with Joel or something that I'm struggling with, to always consider, because when you're in a marriage, it's two-sided. There's always two sides to everything and sometimes I can be seeing things through my own lens and misinterpret according to the way I'm feeling and according to what I'm going through and it's totally misconstrued to what Joel is experiencing or what Joel is going through so this whole idea of considering your spouse um, when you're going to go through <laughs> and deal with issues is so important when we are in conflict when we're trying to resolve conflict we need to realize that when we're fighting Okay, so fighting's a funny word. We, I don't know that we'd really say fight, but you've got to realise that the fight is not with your spouse. It's actually for your marriage. You're not fighting against each other. Actually, your fight is for your marriage. Um, it's simple and it's true, but, you know, in the heat of the moment, it can quickly get misconstrued and it can quickly turn towards you, you begin to fight against your spouse. You know, we've got to be aware of criticism. If you, if you find yourself being c critical or, you know, in contempt, you hold your partner or in contempt, you know, that's, that's a, a sign that you've wandered away from actually fighting for your marriage and you've started fighting against your spouse. You've started making your spouse the enemy. And we've got to be really careful of that. And we've got to always choose to value our spouse above the conflict. So, you know, at the end of the day, we value our spouse. And it doesn't matter how hard things get or how complicated they are. You know, you committed yourself to your spouse. And, and the greater value is actually that connection. The greater value is each other. To work through the issue that the end goal is that you can, can stay together, you can grow stronger. You value them more than the conflict is so important. So we have some ground rules when it comes to, okay, so say we're going through something big, we need to raise it. We ha um, raise an issue, we need to come to a solution on an issue. Um, our ground rules are is we we need to check where we're at. So sometimes we can find that we're really grumpy or we're really rubbing each other up the wrong way. And so our ground rules are... Notice she touched my leg. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> um, so for guys in particular, so for Joel in particular, are you hungry? <laughs> have, have you heard of the term hangry? Okay, so like I said, I have three sons, three brothers, a husband. I'm very aware with men, there is an attitude switch that happens when they're really hungry. Okay, so we just take a step back before we engage in an argument and my question to myself is, do I need to feed him first? <laughs> Well, things turn out a lot better if he's not hungry. Okay, so hungry. Is he angry? Okay, is, is, is he reactionary? Is he coming from a situation at work um, where he's just feeling frustrated? Not a great environment to start raising a big issue, okay? So identify. Choose your time. Choose your time to deal with the bigger issues. Maybe he's feeling lonely. Apparently, this is a thing that guy... So maybe not heard. I don't quite understand that one, but that is another issue. Loneliness or tired. Okay, um, now we all know in the Word of God it says let 
don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Like we shouldn't go to bed angry, but at the same time without resolving a conflict. But at the same time, um, it's not a good idea to try and resolve a big issue if he's going to be asleep in two seconds. <laughs> because it's just like, that's not going to work. Okay, so tired is not a good idea to start. So these are our ground rules if we're going to deal with an issue. And I just came across... Um, this little excerpt, for girls it's very similar. We've got to identify, for guys trying to work us out, going, why is she so high-wired? What's wrong with her today? Um, there are generally three things for girls as well as to... Okay, don't, you know, to just to be aware as to um, how to approach, okay, a conflict and, and what could be going on. So oftentimes, us girls, we can have the symptoms of greater conflict going on in our own lives. And these can be based on our basic needs not being met. For instance, she's not got enough sleep. Very simple. And if you are married to someone and you're in the season of having newborn babies... This is totally relevant, okay? It's documented that it's a form of torture, you know, not to have sleep, okay? And so many of our mums are going through that season where it can be years on end without sleep. And so this is where this whole thing of grace and kindness comes in. Can you, can you see it coming in here? So sleep, maybe it's not getting enough food. Again, this is actually very symptomatic to mothers and women. We tend to care for the needs of everybody else and forget to, to, to nourish ourselves, so we're malnourished. Um, very simple, but um, I'm actually sharing this even though this is a highlight for boys. When I was reading it, I'm going, oh, yeah, that's so true. Oh, my gosh, it's so important for us girls to identify too. Hey, am I attending to my physical needs? Am I getting enough sleep? So being kind to yourself as well. Extending grace to yourself so that you can be a better spouse. Um, hydration, fresh air, emotional and mental rest. Uh, this is key for girls as well. I used to think if a girl is getting enough physical sleep, that equates to emotional and mental rest, but it actually doesn't. The, your emotional and your mental well-being is a whole nother arena and often an area of neglect for us girls. So again, be aware of being kind to yourself, being gracious to yourself. And guys, I know it's very tricky for you to then go, okay, decipher where's she at? Has she had enough sleep? Is she, what, what, what is going on? But um, again, it's just extending grace, extending grace, considering your spouse when it comes to these conflicts, when it comes to things flaring up, just to be aware of the other person and their needs. The other area that it is for girls is that sometimes, and I think it's exactly the same for, for guys, and I definitely consider this when we're going through a conflict, sometimes you have too many plates in the air and it's just that extended pressure that you know you're just juggling way too much and you don't have enough margin you don't have enough space even within yourself so again this this whole idea of kindness and this whole idea of extending grace this whole idea of considering your spouse before you start locking heads and making accusations actually take a moment to go hey what What's going on in their world? What is their world looking like? Are they carrying too much? Are they bringing home pressures from work? What's the home life like for, for my spouse? That you know, is you know, babies crying, not sleeping, sick kids, extra workload. Again, it's extending grace, extending kindness, and then the other one is inner hurts. Inner hurts can can be a major 
um, issue for us girls. Um, but um, the challenge is then for us to dig deeper and to be honest and come to a place where we can actually bring those up in a healthy way and in an honest way. And, you know, we're not going to do that as girls if we feel threatened, if we feel unheard, if we feel accused. Um, you know, that's just going to shut us down. Um, so... Fighting fair, I believe that the, the, if you can hold on to this key of considering your spouse above yourself, whenever, whatever you come, uh, whatever conflict comes your way, considering your spouse and extending kindness and grace. And I do mean that not just to your spouse, but to yourself as well. Becoming self-aware, knowing what's going on in your world. So some of the rules we have is uh, in, in, in conflict, we never use negative or demeaning words. We will not allow ourselves to speak down or um, speak bad of. We, we would not allow that language to come from our kids to each other. And, you know, um, so we need to model that for our kids. So we will never do that. We never mention the word divorce. We never threaten that. We never hold that over each other's head. We never practice divorce by saying, I will, you know, threaten each other with that. So those are some of the ground rules we've put in our lives when it comes to the words we use, the language we use, how we speak to each other. Um, never demeaning, neg never negative. I mean, you can... Obviously, there's negative things you work through, but never putting down, never, never ending it in, in our conversation by the way we speak to each other. Um, the other thing we've got to be really aware of when it comes to fighting fear is that we don't use emotional manipulation. Okay, And so for us girls, it can be the silent treatment. It, it can be the shutdown, okay, I'm going to make you pay, and to make you pay, I'm just going to close off, and I'm going to make you have to grovel and tiptoe around me until I feel like I can release you from that. Um, don't practice that. Um, the Bible talks about this kind, this kind of emotional manipulation. The Bible talks about that as witchcraft. It's actually usurping your will over, so trying to manipulate and take control of somebody else's emotions, take control of their lives. And it's not a healthy habit. Um, and, you know, the beautiful thing is, if Christ is the center of your relationship, his resources are available to you. If that has been a practice in your family life, if that has been a practice in your past, yeah. then God's grace is available for you to make that change, for you to work towards becoming healthier in the way that you relate emotionally, in the way that you deal with frustration, in the way that you deal with hurt and anger. Um, he's a resource for you. And the same for the guys, you know, anger, just that, that shutting down, that closing off. Again, um, we, we just, it, it's not an option. We've, we've got to choose to work through that in order to connect, not to separate. We're not pulling away, but we're going we're gonna to address this. We're going to face this and it takes courage it takes a lot of courage but your marriage is worth it um, and again remember it, you value your spouse more than the conflict so um, yeah I think that's pretty much it that's cool. it yep all right fight fair fight kind yeah fantastic all right well I have the um, because of time I'll just make this the last session uh, on talking about sex oh. so all the married couples hands up all right, all the single people, hands up. 
All right. Hey, listen, it is PG rated, so you're going to be fine. Uh, and, um, and, uh, but, you know, I just think um, we really need to talk about this area because for so many of us, um, uh, sex life is neglected and, and it's really one of the most important areas in a marriage. It, it's, the, it's probably the top two reasons uh, this and, and um, finance is, is the biggest cause of marriage breakups. And so if we don't deal with it, uh, we're just hiding our heads in the sand. And I don't know if you've come from an Asian culture like me where you don't talk about sex. They all do it because, you know, China's got the biggest population, the same with India. Uh, we all do it, but no one talks about it. Uh, so I just think it's just important that we actually talk about it in a godly way. So just blush on the inside. I'm blushing on the inside. You can't see a black man blushing anyway. Uh, but I think it's important that we talk about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7... Verse 2 to 5, it says this, The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Now stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourself to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. See, I believe our marriage, our sex lives must be stewarded really well, just like every other area of our life. And the Bible tells us a couple of things about sex. Number one, um, sex is actually there for the other person. It's not a selfish, self-gratifying act for yourself. Like the world tells us, it's just a physical activity. Go get whatever you want from whoever you want. It doesn't matter. But the way God ordained and created sex, it was actually to be a blessing for somebody else. In fact, God so, goes so far to say that your body does not belong to you. It's actually a gift for your partner. And all the men are like, come on, amen, preach it, preach it. Um, let me put it this way. When your wife is too tired to do the dishes, men, your body does not belong to you. It belongs to her. <laughs> and so it's in the same way. In the same way as the guy sitting there going, yeah, your body belongs to me. Your body, men, also belong to your partner. And so it's not this selfish, self-gratifying, me first mentality. If you actually have that mentality, you would probably be struggling from a very bad sex life. I can guarantee that because sex is about giving. It's about dying to self. It's about putting the other person first and meeting their needs um, before your own. So first thing is sex is for the other person. The second thing is the Bible commands married couples to have regular sexual intercourse for their protection. And, 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 and that's something that the world doesn't talk about. They think that the church is a bunch of prudes who don't, don't have sex, don't do this, don't do... No, no, no. God commands you, couples, you better have sex. And you go forth and you multiply. And you make sure it's good. In fact, there's a whole book in the Bible, the Song of Songs, dedicated to sexual intimacy. God is not a prude. He has some wonderful boundaries put in place to make sure your sex life remains free and blessed. Blessed, but it's actually for your benefit, but not to actually restrict you. And it's so important that we understand that um, we are commanded to have wonderful sex. 
in marriage. Uh, here's why. Because sex is a glue. It acts as a glue. And, you know, the world says it's just a physical activity. But, you know, science tells us completely different. Um, they now uh, have done the research into women's minds and men's minds uh, during sexual intimacy. And they've seen that in women there's a release of a chemical called ox oxytocin which is during sexual intercourse it increases five times it's like this drug spray on their mind and this is called the cuddle drug or the the, the love drug or the uh, and it basically helps women to feel loved and valued and in love it makes them want to cuddle and makes them want to bond with the people that they are with at the moment of that release. So God ordained to all our women to actually have this chemical released so it's not just a physical act, it's not just a chemical act, but it's followed with an emotional act and a spiritual bonding that takes place. In men, when they have sex, there's a drug called dopamine which is released and it's as powerful as heroin and it's an addictive drug. So it actually makes men want to have sex with that person again and there's this joining so God has created our chemistry and our physical bodies to work in line and so when he says go forth and multiply and have great sex in your married life he helps us do that and, and actually puts all those things into place what happens is when you don't have a healthy sex life or a regular sex life that glue that bonding between husband and wife begins to slowly deteriorate and 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 when um, when wives aren't feeling loved can I tell you that's the best time to have sex but it takes sacrifice when husbands are not feeling appreciated that's the best time to have sex even though it takes sacrifice but when you do it's like a glue reapplied between husband and wife that blesses um, the marriage God says listen protect each other if you are going to take a break, do it only for prayer. So if you're not fasting, there's no excuse. <laughs> and and if, if you are fasting, it's only in mutual agreement for a set period. Why? Because if you do it for too long, you're actually opening your partner up to temptation. Wow. God actually puts the responsibility of our par partner's sexual care in our hands. You know, you're the only person that can meet this one God-given hunger in your partner. No one else is allowed to, and you don't want anyone else to anyway. But God says, you have this wonderful responsibility. Out of everyone in the world, I have created a hunger in your partner that only you can meet. Would you protect each other? Would you help each other in this sex-saturated world? Would you make sure that the other person's needs are being met? Now, please, if you're hearing me saying, if you're not getting your needs met at home, you can go and do whatever elsewhere, you're mishearing what I'm saying. I'm not condoning a lack of self-control, but I'm also not condoning a lack of um, uh, care for the other partner you know and so it's extremely important that you steward your sex lives well here's a practical make it a priority in your week 
make it a priority in your week. Just as you would make uh, homework a priority, uh, family dinners a priority, dating a priority, make sex a priority. Not a chore. Oh, gosh, it's time. Uh, <laughs> the alarm bell rings. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, honey, it's that time of week again. You know, I'm not talking about that, but make it a priority. Understand that you need to build in the bond of this relationship. Is this uncomfortable enough? <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. Do you still like, you see, the good thing about this is we can talk like this and then we'll never see you again, maybe. <laughs> you know, we may never be invited back. You guys, but, but here's the truth. The truth is the Word of God has been put in our hands and in our hearts for our benefit. God wants your marriages to thrive. So a couple of things, leave and cleave, number one. Number two, fight with kindness and grace. And number three, prioritize and steward your sex lives. These are just three small things. We could go on forever, but our time has gone. But we just wanted you to know that God loves you and God has a great plan for your marriage. It's to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. And you know, I know in this sort of gathering, there are people here who feel condemned when we talk about marriage, maybe because of past failings. Um, can I just tell you that whether this is your first marriage or your 10th marriage, God is able to make this one the best one. God is able to make this one the best one. As we were in worship, and maybe if Joanna could help me, uh, but as we were in worship, I was thinking about this phrase that I heard, as a father, my kids are heavily flawed, heavily flawed. They make mistakes, they yell, they scream, they fight. But you know, I rather have flawed kids than no kids at all. You know, that's how God sees us. He'd rather have you as one of his children than not have you at all. Some of us think we've got to be perfect because he's perfect. No, you're never going to be perfect. Your marriage is never going to be perfect. But Father would rather you in his life, you in relationship with him, than not have you at all. And so today, it would be our pleasure to pray for every married couple in this place. So if you are sitting next to your partner, would you just grab their hand? If not, it's okay. Just would you lift up um, their marriage? I'm going to ask Pastor Sharon to pray. And then I'm going to pray for all our single people. So just for the married couples first, why don't you pray for us, honey? Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now in this place for every married couple. God, I thank you that your favor and your eyes are towards them, Father God. And Lord, we open up the resource and the grace of heaven, Father, for every circumstance, for every situation, for every marriage. Lord, I pray an open heaven. I pray your enabling. I pray your favor. I pray your wisdom and your counsel, your guidance for the years ahead, Father God. Lord, that their lives would be blessed. Lord, that intimacy would be blessed. Lord, that connection would be blessed, Father God. And so, Lord, I thank you for every couple. I thank you for, God, just an increase of your grace and favor upon each life now. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I lift up our single people. Father, they are so precious to you. And Father, I thank you that, Lord, in you they are complete. And Father God, as you prepare them for 
whatever you have in their future, Lord, I pray that they would choose godly people. They would choose the right people to connect with. They would only enter into the ones that you have highlighted, that you would bless their future. Father, if there is any brokenness, that you would deal with that in this single stage. Father God, that you would bless our young people and free them up to live 100% for you. And Lord God, know the plans that you have for them, the good, good, hopeful plans for their future. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.